0: Jesus is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia This is most certainly true Jesus is alive and death is dead His tomb is empty and our hearts are full His promises are fulfilled, the victory has been won Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The Gospel from Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, And the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened.
1: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So much of life is uncertain. Will gas prices bump higher or drop a bit lower? Will COVID birth another strain and disrupt our life patterns again? What is the stock market going to do in the next months? When will the black-hooded specter of death swing his sickle in our direction? Uncertainty makes me uncomfortable. I have to concentrate on all kinds of other things and shove uncertainties in the back of my mind or I'll go batty. But if there's one source of uncertainty, consider this. What if, what if there was no eternity? What if this existence, this world, this life were all we had? And when we're done, we're done. A deteriorating random mix of atoms and molecules poofed into the atmosphere. If there was no eternity, then creature comforts, medical advances, technology to make our life easier and more manageable would mean everything to us. Then we would strive and strain, move every muscle, make every decision in order to be happy now to feel good Now, we would panic in a pandemic and ache under the thought of aging. If there's no eternity, we would grasp at every straw and every well-marketed app in order to occupy our time and attention. We would obsess over food and entertainment and eat every meal as though it were our last. And think of every show and performance and game as it's the only thing worth getting worked up about. If there was no eternity, we would live in uncertainty, we would die in uncertainty, except for this one certainty, that it will all come to an end, and we will end, and then there will be nothing. It will all come to nothing. But what if? What if there is one single event that flips the whole scene and guarantees that death is not the end, that there is life beyond this life, that there's no need to try to make this world perfect because perfection is still to come, that there really is a God, not just a God, but the only God who makes it all happen because he cares for us and supplies everything that we need to have unending, non-boring joy. My friends, there is just such an event. We celebrate it today. Easter. Imagine this story. There are two US soldiers out in the middle of nowhere in Afghanistan, cut off. From their platoon, no radio contact. They're surrounded by enemy soldiers who are approaching. Grenades and mortars are exploding all around. They see hundreds of enemy soldiers rise from behind rocks. They have scrunched down in a hole they dug into the side of a hill. And one of those soldiers turns to his buddy and makes the prediction, I'm going to die today. Would you believe that prediction? Would you accept it as fact? But what if that soldier then said to his buddy, But three days from now, I'm going to come back to my life and my body's going to pop out of this grave? Would you believe that prediction? Would you accept it as fact? Probably not. On more than one occasion, our Lord Jesus predicted, I'm going to Jerusalem where I will be captured and killed. His followers didn't like it. They wanted to prevent it from happening. But they could hear the hatred in the crowds and see the anger in the eyes of Jesus' enemies. And so if this was his only prediction that he would have made, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, be captured and killed, and it came true, which it did, we would think that his followers would not be shocked. But, when he predicted, I will rise from the grave and come back to life, that seemed impossible. Then it happened. The gospel for the festival of the resurrection of our Lord in Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. If there is anything that underscores something as absolutely certain, it is the fulfillment of a prediction. Add to the mix someone making several predictions and they all come true. And add to that someone making several predictions that seemingly are impossible and they still all come true. This is how we pin confidence and certainty on real facts. It's one of the tests that we use to demonstrate that the Bible is true from cover to cover. People who claim to be predictors of the future over time can only reach about 50% accuracy, if that. Sort of like trying to predict the results of flipping a coin in the air. But when God makes predictions, they all come true. When Jesus said, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead, that prediction came true. When he told his followers to go to the next village, they'd find a colt, and the owners would let them have this colt for Jesus' Palm Sunday parade. That Prediction came true. When he told Peter and John to go into the city, they would find a man who would offer their, his, his home, his guest room, for them to make Passover preparations. That prediction came true. When he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, be arrested by the religious leaders, handed over to the Gentile rulers, mocked, spit on, killed, that prediction came true true. And so when he said, on the third day, I will rise again, we would expect that his followers would say, well, yes, of course. And they would consider that prediction to be as good as, well, even better than gold. But they struggled to understand how this could be. And the report of the women. So massive is the miracle of someone coming back to life from being dead that they wrestled with this report from the women Peter and John had to hustle out on their own to check out the tomb. They found it to be empty and they were scratching their heads. Only later in the day, several hours later, when Jesus himself appeared, did it all sink in. Then they realized his prediction had come true. His rising from the dead is a fact. It's one thing to believe the fact Of the resurrection. It's another thing to bask in the certainty of why. Fact. The Son of God took on human flesh to pay for the sins, all sins of all people. Fact. The payment for sin, the wages of sin, is death. And I don't mean just turning into worm food, I mean abandoned by God and under his anger. Hey, who. Who wants to listen to scary and bad news from the pulpit on Easter Sunday morning? But I got to tell you the truth. That's what we deserve. Even for one little slip up, even one little white lie, even one little dirty thought, we deserve abandonment from God, being targets of his anger. Fact. Jesus paid for all those sins on the cross. Yet. Yet if he stayed dead and in the tomb and did not rise, we would end up living in uncertainty. If he stayed dead and in that tomb, we would eventually have to ask ourselves, now wait a minute here, the payment for sin is death. If he's still dead, is he still paying Was his statement from the cross, it is finished, a ruse? Sort of a Chris Middleton head fake? Was it a cruel joke? No. Easter is a fact. I'm not talking about chocolate bunnies and colored eggs and nice clothes and good food. The fact is that he came back to life. It is a fact to guarantee that the complete payment for sin that he did on Good Friday is true. So much of life is uncertain. But the fact of Easter, that he came back to life, changes things for us. And it changes what will happen to us. Because Jesus also made the prediction, because I live, you also will live. And you can count on it. He will make that happen. Our God does not speak with mush in his mouth. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Easter is a fact, not just some mythical whimsy from a long and distant past. It is a fact. It changes the way we think about our life right now and how we cope with everything around us. It changes the way we view and think about the future. The women followers of Jesus who went to the tomb that Easter morning to complete burial preparations were overwhelmed with sadness. You can see them, can't you? Tear-stained cheeks plodding along, heavy steps, making their way out to Jesus' garden tomb. The question was, who is going to move the stone? Now, what what if Jesus had not been raised from the dead? Well, then, the soldiers would have had to move the the stone. Of course, the women would probably have had to slip them a couple of C-notes, you know, to bribe them to do that. But the stone gets moved, they finish their burial preparations, and then those women would return to the city slowly, sadly, silently, even though the early harvest springtime festival of unleavened bread was going on in Jerusalem, they would have had nothing to say, nothing to sing about And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter was wondering to himself. I find that English word wonder to be rather interesting. Wonder can mean, I wonder how long this sermon is going to go. Wonder can also mean surprise and joy, like a little child who finds an Easter basket on Easter Sunday morning, even though she was so naughty on the Saturday before. What a wonder! What a surprise! Peter moved from the first definition to the second. You and I get to live in that second definition. Just swimming in the wonder and joy of Easter. Easter. God bled out for sinners. Believe it. God came back to life, though he was dead, to give us certainty. Believe it. When your hopes have been dashed with plans that crumbled in this inevitably rotten and crumbling world, the wonder and joy of Easter, sweep in for the living Christ to say to you, you are in my plans to be with me. When you're filled with pessimism and doubt, whether anybody really cares about you and what your future might possibly be, the wonder and joy of Easter sweep in. And the living Christ says, you're going to be with me. I care about you. You get to live with me forever. The Easter fact produces Easter fun. And I'm not talking about silly giddiness, but deep abiding joy. I heard someone once say, It doesn't seem to me that Christianity is much fun. I don't think that person really thought through the impact of the Easter message. I can't think of anything more fun than living in Easter joy. There are three reasons that we are living here on this earth to honor God for who he is and what he's done for us, to stick close to him so we end up with him in heaven, and to help others get there too. The first two God took care of. The third one, that's a little more challenging, especially because Satan likes to put potholes in our path as we reach out to others, and he likes to move orange barrels to detour people's lives and head them down his path to hell. And one of the barrels that he likes to use is to worm his way into people's minds and to get them to think that what God wants and what God says eh, is no big deal. What he likes to do is that kind of worming into people's... He did that. He pulled that stunt in the Garden of Eden, and he's still pulling it today, trying to lead people to think that this life and this world is all there is, and when we're done, we're done, and there's nothing more. And so people like that end up, well, being compassionate to others once in a while because they sense maybe it's the right thing to do, and they get obsessed about the aging process because they can't think of anything else to be worried about. That's living with a lot of uncertainty. I don't want to live like that. I don't think you do either. So when you're having a horrible day and all the time and effort you put in to achieve something just fell apart, when you have this sense that you really don't matter, when you Feel like there's uncertainty not only all around you but creeping inside of you. Go again with the women to Jesus' tomb and see what happened. The fact allows us to have the fun of being connected with God now and forever and offers us the fun of proclaiming that fact to others. Christ is risen. Happy Easter.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you.